how we set up our home affects every part of our lives, from our homeschooling experience to our business leadership. And today's guest is an expert at making your house a home. Rachel Van Clive from Crate and Cottage is a wife, homeschooling mom of two, online interior design influencer, and owns a successful real estate company with her husband. Talk about busy. Today, she took time to chat with us about how to really make a house a home, as well as how to find your own purpose and passion and individuality while still being a homeschool mom. And we talk about how sometimes life takes us on a journey that we just kind of fall into. I think you're in for a real treat today. So let's meet Rachel. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. Rachel, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. So before we get started, let's introduce yourself to our audience today. Okay, so I am Rachel Van Clive. I am a Nashville native, born and raised, which is rare. My husband and I have been together since I was about 14 or 15. We've been together almost 20 years. We have two boys, um, an 11-year-old and a five-year-old. We are in the process of adopting a little girl, and we own a real estate business. And I kind of fell into, fell into homeschooling one and then also fell into a design business that kind of coincides with his real estate. So an Instagram platform has led to a book and a podcast and some different things, but I know we're here to talk about homeschool and that is definitely a big part of our life too. Yeah. But actually we're with homeschool CEO, we talk about your business and homeschooling. Because it awesome. we really are, that's like our entire lives. And with a lot of the clients that I have, we talk a lot about like not losing yourself mm-hmm. in homeschooling. Like to part of the way that God created us was to be entrepreneurs and, you know, in our tribe and that's okay. Like that's to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about it, you know, you talk about falling into homeschooling. I did too. Like that is a big thing. I was not yeah. a homeschooler because I don't know if you're like me, but homeschoolers were kind of weird. Yeah, they were (laughs) when we were young. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And I remember thinking, I don't want my kids to be the weird ones. I wasn't the weird one. I don't want that for my kids. And my husband said the same thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But the first thing that people always say when they meet our youngest, especially are he just turned 16, they'll say, you're homeschooled and they're, you know, they kind of curl their lip and raise their eyebrow. Like, really? What? Like, they can't, yeah. You're so no. And literally they will say, but you're so normal. I know such a stigma, <laughs> <laughs> such a stereotype. So with homeschool CEO, we've like, I don't know, we've just busted through that whole myth and stereotype. And because as moms, we don't fit into that stereotype. So therefore our kids aren't fitting into that stereotype. But even if you do fit into that stereotype, we still love you and you still have a place with homeschool CEO. But 
in general, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. That's just something that was perpetuated for some reason when we were growing up, but that's not the way it is anymore. Especially not this year. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like if you were gonna try out homeschooling, this is the year to do it because everybody's on that same playing field for sure. So I want to talk a little bit about how you fell into your business. Cause I think this is a really important part of your story. Right. Back after you had your first child and just, I know a little bit about your journey, but I know our audience doesn't know. And I don't know that it's something that you share a whole lot. So can we just talk a little bit about what happened during that period in your life and your family and your marriage and how that led to you really discovering the next step in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I had Richard and I had been married three years and it was, you know, the timeline was right to have a baby and I had the baby and all I'd ever wanted was to be a mother my whole life. I mean, I played with dolls till I was 12. I was just always the baby person. Everybody knew that. And then I had this baby and it rocked my world and had some complications after delivery with a lot of bleeding. And it just sent my anxiety into a tailspin and I wouldn't call it depression, but it just really overtook me. And then on top of the postpartum, like, you know, baby blues, the first eight weeks are horrible. (laughs) No one one tells you about that. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you're adjusting. And I just fell into this deeper place that I did not really want to be in, honestly, and I lost myself. And then it it lasted about two years of just felt like a dread, a dread every day. Why am I getting up? I don't have anything to do, but give this you know, feed this baby, wipe this. It just became this job, not a joy like I thought it would be. And then I I finally ended up getting some help with medication. And I talk openly about that because a lot of people don't. But I will say that because of that, and, you know, the Lord always uses the negative or what you feel is negative at the time to bring out something good. And so after a few years of kind of wading through that time, I thought, you know what, I should just I loved DIY. We built a starter home and it was just typical builder grade. And I didn't really love it. And I was trying to find my own style and evolve. And we slowly fell into like DIYing and well, maybe we can paint the kitchen cabinet. So I did. And, and I've always been used to um, appreciating design. My mom always designed everything and painted everything and redid everything. And so I was used to that and I enjoyed it myself. And so I thought, you know what? maybe I could style some photos and take some pictures of my DIYing and I'll start a cre- a secret crate and cottage account. Cause I didn't want people to know because you're, you know, your people are your biggest critics. And I always mm-hmm. wanted to be a writer as well. So I thought maybe I could blog or something and give me something to do other than, you know, I don't want to say just be a mom, but in that season, I felt like, you know, I'm a smart person. I was a magna cum laude. I could have been anything. And here I am like wiping throw up, like <laughs> What, what is my purpose, Lord? And so I just started taking photos. It gave me a job every day. Um, I was creative. I staged something. I wrote a little art, you know, a little caption on it. It gave me meaning. And so I started sharing it and got involved with some other women on Instagram and found a little niche. And then I got to five, those 500 followers. And I thought, well, I guess I can share it with people I know now. And then literally that's just how it started. And it kind of just snowballed into full-time job now, but all because of that horrible time in my life and needing a creative outlet. But that is so important. And I feel like a lot of moms don't talk about that. And I went through a very similar journey. That's why I wanted to talk about it because it's just something we haven't talked about yet here on the podcast where 
I needed something, you know, so I would create jobs for myself and create these little volunteer businesses and run different things. Same thing because I needed something a little more than, like Mm -hmm. you said, I don't want to say just being a mom. Because some women are so qualified and love that. Yeah. And it's wonderful. It is wonderful. It is. It's great. But that wasn't me. And in the homeschool CEO world, it's not any of my tribe either. So when I tell them that, they're like, oh. Like like we should have some guilt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we put it on ourselves and society has put it on us too. And we've accepted it on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And like, we should feel guilty for wanting more. Right. In addition. So just know that my people, they're your people. We get that. And we understand that we're there too. Okay. So now you have this blossoming business and a toddler on your Mm -hmm. hip. So as you're growing the business, at what point did you decide that you would homeschool? Well, my, this was before the business really, because my son, my oldest is a very anxious child like me. And I, I recognize those things like dropping in the church nursery. It was never like, Oh, he'll get over it in a few weeks. It was years of, okay, this child does not like to be left. And we did Mother's Day out because he was going to be prepared for public school kindergarten. And he went two days a week and it was a struggle every day for three years. And finally, I was like, you know what? People have been like mentioning homeschool to me and I was never like fully against it. I just never thought it an option for myself. And then I went to a homeschool convention just to kind of hear what it was about. And I thought, oh, well, these are normal women. (laughs) These are actually pretty cool women. And then I thought, okay, let's just do kindergarten. That was my main thing. I'm just going to try kindergarten. I got the numbers and the shapes and the colors and the days of the week. I can do this. And then we'll send him in first grade. And then now he's in fifth grade and that never happened. We found a community. We have a tutorial. We go on Mondays and he loves it. And it fits our lifestyle. We wanted our kids home with us because our business pulls us in different ways and we're always together. And that you know, I was telling a friend yesterday who's considering homeschooling. It's like, you have to just totally shift your mind away from scheduling and standards. And it, it's taken me a good five years to feel confident in that. Cause I grew up public school, private school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shouldn't he be knowing this by now? He's in fifth grade or I've had to really let go of that. And finally this year, I feel a lot more free. Someone did tell me your fifth or sixth year of homeschooling, you feel a little more free. And so here we are, you know, I just started my youngest in kindergarten. So we got two at once, which is unique, but we're getting there. Yes. But what you're saying is so true. You know, I've been homeschooling for 16 years, but I also went to part public school and then a couple of years in private school until they kicked me out and I had to go back to public school. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't one of those Uh rule following children. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. That's a story for another day. But same thing. When we first started homeschooling, I wanted to duplicate the public school yeah. system at home. Me too. Cause it's all, you know, you're used to, and some kids like my kids thrive on a little bit of a routine, but I had to really let go of. So my oldest is dyslexic. And for the yeah. longest time I thought, Oh my goodness, I'm failing at read. He just can't read. I'm done. I can't homeschool. And then finally we had some help and I was like, Oh, this makes total sense. And then it just evaluated more. Like this is why I needed to be a homeschool mom you know, to help my kids along with their struggles. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it's become the right lifestyle for us. And I will tell you with your oldest being dyslexic, my youngest is dyslexic okay. and I'll never forget. He didn't learn to read until he was 10. 
Okay. We share very, very openly about that. And I'll never forget sitting on the couch crying actually to my husband and said, something is different about this child. And I said, had he been my first, I probably would have quit, but because he was my fourth. So congratulations (laughs) for keeping going. because I just remember the discouragement and even being a, at that point, a fairly seasoned homeschool mom going, I can't teach this child. Like something is not clicking. I taught it to the other three. I taught them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the oldest two are the oldest one knew how to read when we started homeschooling because she was going into third grade. But I taught the number two and number three how to read. And I remember thinking, why can I not teach this child? But they do learn in a different way. But I will tell you the greatest gift that I gave him was to take that expectation off of him of you should know this by this time. And now I will tell you at 16, he is the smartest kid. That's awesome. He is like every learning gap that I internally silently thought that he may have had during those years has completely been wiped away. He's learned more in the last six years just on his own because when he's motivated, he learns it. Yeah. That's encouraging for sure because we have a struggle today. Like he hates writing, you know, writing with dyslexia is like pain (laughs) and he's 10 and he can read pretty good, but I mean, the writing kills him. And I was like, let's just type it. And he was like, okay, he's a great typer. And I was like, okay, let's just, I can't have that battle today. But yes, that's encouraging. And you know what? That's exactly, as a homeschool mom, that's what we need to do. Because I'll never forget my little guy when he was probably about 11 or 12, just a Mm -hmm. little older than yours. And he says, mom, I'm smart enough that if I don't like to do it, I'll just hire somebody to do it for me. (laughs) And it really took me back you know, because we have somebody who comes in and cleans the house and those types of things. And he said, you hire the jobs you don't like to do. Oh my. And you can't argue with that. (laughs) How do you argue with that? And he is making money building a community online now, and he's doing phenomenal. You know, he's my little entrepreneur. He's my community builder and his emotional intelligence is off the chart. That's how my son is too. Yeah. Maybe that kicks in with dyslexic kids. (laughs) I think it does. Honestly, Rachel, because, and my son even said that he said, I think it's because I have learning challenges. He said, because he's so empathetic Mm -hmm. to other people and to struggle. And he, he just connects at a different level than my other kids do. Not that my other kids have any issues there, but right. He's just so gifted. I've had to switch that as it's not a learning disability. It's just the most amazing way, like for him to learn. It's just a different way. And that's, you know, been amazing. Yeah. And they're so creative. He Mm -hmm. thinks of things in a way that I would have never, because I'm so analytical, I would have never thought outside of the box, like he does to create things. Mm -hmm. And that's a blessing, but it's hard to see it as a blessing when your child is 10 and crying and can't, you know, isn't accomplishing what you think they should do or what they think they should be able to do. So just from one mama to another, thank you. I pro- you guys, we didn't plan this, but that if that's where this conversation is going, you will make it through this. I promise. Thank you. All right. So with your kids with homeschooling and you're building your businesses and your husband has his business that you work with as well, correct? You kind of have it parallel. Yeah. We own a real estate company. So he has about 50 agents and we mostly build spec homes and sell them, you know, and that kind of thing. We have a couple rental homes. so. 
we were in the home realm, but I never planned that to happen that way. <laughs> but you know what? That's life. A lot of yeah. times we don't plan evolve. everything out. Yeah, we evolve as we go for sure. So what do you find is your biggest struggle managing homeschooling and building your businesses? I would say time just because if I didn't get a good night's sleep or if I didn't get up early enough, you know, it throws the whole ball off. Like I like to get our school done before lunch because I just can't, my kids are less motivated. They want to go outside. It's just like trying to pull them back after lunch is not worth it. So really trying to navigate getting that done first and putting my work to the side in my mind, because you know, my mind's always on the work and what I should be doing or could be doing or could should be writing or whatever. But I've had to really shift this year just to think, you know, the kids are the priority. They get my first four hours. And then the latter half, I try to squeeze in work in some form. And, and then I just think if I had eight hours, you know, sometimes you think all oh, those moms get eight hours a day. No wonder they can put out this content or do it this way, you know, because yeah. they have moments to breathe and think. And it's just I think it will always be a balancing act. You know, can't ever figure out the perfect schedule until your kids are older, you know, independent learning. And I'm sure you're there at that point. But for me, it's just the hardest part is when to squeeze in the business, how much of myself to give to the business and, you know, what to make a priority. I've had to really just this week say no to a couple things because I'm just like, well, it'd look great on a resume, you know, but it's not beneficial to my mental health or stress level. Um, So learning to say no and navigate those, the time and the boundaries is for sure been the hardest. Yeah, I completely understand where you are. I've been through that season of life. Yes, now thankfully I do have, I'm at that next level where my youngest Mm -hmm. is 16. So he's pretty independent. Hence why I can have the two businesses at once. But so everybody, we were just chatting about before we actually got on our recording today, how this conversation was actually supposed to take place a couple of weeks ago, but we had a miscommunication and a scheduling conflict. And so we rescheduled it for today. But I was talking with Rachel about how this is a different conversation than we probably would have had a few weeks ago. And something that what you're, you just touched on just briefly, and I want to explore it a little bit more, that ability to be present with our kids while our brain is still, you know, like our thought process is going, what should I be doing for work? I should be doing this. Or when you're working and you're thinking I should be helping my kid with more math problems, or I should just be taking time to be with them. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you really practice intentionally being present with whatever you're doing, whether you're doing work or whether you're with your kids. I still have a... I still struggle with that daily, but I can tell you that I notice a difference when I'm intentional. If I leave my phone in the other room and there's not a notification popping up, if I am like, let's just eat lunch on the porch and leave the phone, you know, it's really for me leaving the phone because I'm not scrolling for pleasure. You know, I'm, I'm answering an email or responding to some company and it's just, it's so hard not to have a a nine to five where you go in and you're solely focused on your job and you leave everything else. And then you come home and you've left your job. The kind of job my husband and I have are, you know, in real estate, you're always on call, even more than a doctor. Someone wants to see a house real quick. Okay. You know, or you're, or like my job, Instagram never cuts off. And so I'm still navigating 
the intentionality, but if, if I really try to stick to that time block of before noon with my kids in between, you know, work and then back to focus on dinner with them again, but really just trying to pick moments of my day. Cause I can't be, we can't be perfect all day long, but if I'm like for this next hour, we're going to go outside and do this. It makes me feel a little less guilty if I time block those moments, but I, I still have to work on that constantly. So if you have any tips. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. I'm reading this book right now called The Power of Now. And it's all about how so often our minds take us either into the past of things that have already happened or we're thinking about the future and mm-hmm. how rarely as moms and business owners, we're operating in the present. Right. And it's just really been challenging me, but I, same as you, I have to leave the phone because um, in addition to homeschool CEO, I'm a Facebook ad strategist and guess what? Facebook never turns off. Ads are always, you know, clients contacting me about an ad or they're getting a sale and all different things. And so when I'm responding to things, it's not for pleasure, but I'm on my phone a lot. And I don't, I don't want my kids to think mom is on our phone all the time. Like I even got to the point where I was in the car and my husband would be driving somewhere and I'm working on my Oh phone. yeah, that's me too. And I'm like, I should be talking to him now. <laughs> yeah, or my kids are in the back seat and they're having a conversation, but I'm ignoring them because I'm concentrated on what I'm doing, responding to a client. That's because it's the only moment you have had all day, probably <laughs> just sit still in the car. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, I haven't had to, I've chosen to be really intentional and turning on, do not disturb on my phone and realizing that I can respond in an hour and it's okay. Yeah. Somebody doesn't need your immediate text back. And that's what we, our society's made us feel like, like they've had an hour to respond and they're not like, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, but you're right because society, we're such a microwave society now and they want instant responses. And I've had to really remind myself that it's okay. Right now, this season of life, if my child needs me, that is where my priority should be, right? Right, totally. And I want to build a business around my family, not the other way around, but balancing those both and managing those both, that's tough sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. I had another podcast interview the other day, and she talked about instead of referring to it as balancing it, it's more flow. You know, you're flowing from one side to the other. Sometimes it's more business. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's house stuff. Sometimes it's family. And you're just kind of making a circle, you know, going back around. And I'm like, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Oh yeah. It makes you feel less guilty. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And knowing that you're always going to come to the next thing, like it's not going to go away. You're going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. When she said that, I, I thought, oh, just reframing that perspective made me feel better. Yeah. Same. (laughs) All right. The other thing I want to talk about is your book that was just released earlier this year. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you talk about, so everybody go get the book. It's at where all the books are sold, Amazon, Target, Walmart, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's everywhere. She made herself a home. One of the things that you talk about is creating a space with intention, right? How does that apply to your homeschool area? Well, for many years, my homeschool area was the dining room table or the kitchen island. And I didn't think it, 
I didn't think I had to have a designated room, but I have found the past two years that I actually just did a piece on this on the news yesterday. I showed my homeschool room and if my kids' items are displayed and colorful, especially little kids and easy to reach and organized and the musical instruments are out or, you know, they're more apt to grab it. Obviously we as adults, I even have my adult cousins that will go in there and piddle around because it's interesting and something to look at and play with and um, manipulate with their hands. And I've just really found that because I actually was intentional about, Hey, we have all these great things. We don't see them because they're tucked away. Let's put them in a, you know, a better place. And now they're much more apt to go get them and play with them and use them. And I think about that when in creating a home, when asked to write my book, it was first going to be about a farmhouse style because that was all the rage, you know, Joanna Gaines and the whole farmhouse movement three years ago. And it slowly evolved into something more about other women on Instagram and creating spaces. And for me, it's more than the tangible idea of putting something somewhere. It's what's this room going to be used for? How is someone going to feel coming in it and leaving it? Um, what memories will be created there? And I just, my book was written so that people could really understand the intention behind this life-giving box, if you will, that you're given, that your kids are going to take their traditions on into their families. And there's just so much inside the four walls of your home, no matter what the size is or what it looks like. And so that's why I wrote the book was just to be intentional before design, like how do I use the living room? Is it for gatherings? Is it for just myself? Do I need a restful place? Do I need somewhere to entertain? Just being intentional. And the same with my homeschool room. You know, do my boys work better independently? Do they need their own desk? Do they need their items displayed? Just in general, a lot of people go right into decor and colors and design, you know, how to lay out their space. And I'm trying to like retrain that into thinking, why am I using it? What's the intention? Then let's talk color. So that's kind of the whole idea behind my why and design. Now, I know we can never go back, but I wish I could have just bottled up everything you said and gave it to all my new homeschool <laughs> mamas back in the beginning of August when they said, how do I set up my homeschool room? Because everybody wanted to paint it a certain color or order all of this stuff I think it is so important to really start with that. Why? Like, what is your intention? I, because I teach that when I'm teaching new homeschool moms, like when they're choosing curriculum and when they're choosing how to homeschool to start with your why. Oh yeah. Someone told me that too. Once write it down, plaster it on your wall because yeah. you're going to come back to it and need to a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Especially on the hard days. And yeah. it's so, it makes sense to, I never had thought about applying it as far as creating you know, a space in my home. But when I read that, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense because when you're starting kind of with the end in mind, like where, how do you want people to feel? What do you want the space to be? Mm -hmm. And it's just a, it's a really different perspective. So I wanted to talk more about that. And then also just in general, where does our homeschool moms, where do they start with that? Cause I did not grow up with a mom who was super, hospitable or homemaking. She had other really great qualities, but that wasn't one of them. Mm -hmm. And so like for a long time, my husband and I, like, I didn't even hang a picture on the wall. I didn't do anything. So if for our homeschool mom, homeschool CEO, and 
they're looking at their house and going, where is the first place that you would recommend they start making it more of a home or how would they even go about doing that? Well, like I said, my, our first home, I didn't have a room for my son, but I did make it like a fun box for him. You know, it was his make something that's theirs. It doesn't have to be a room. It doesn't have to be, you know, my homeschool room is our laundry room, which is one wall of it's nicely decorated for them. But I would suggest like he had his own box with his name on it. And it was like a three-tiered tray and inside he had crayons and then, you know, each thing. And it was still exciting for him as a five-year-old to carry his little box around. And that was his space. And so I would first say you do not need a room. You do not have to have that. If you can create a small desk area in some space, you can put anything around a small desk, you know, a chair and a small desk and some floating shelves and make it a spot for your children. But if you don't have that, I would suggest getting, you know, a tiered tray or something that's for them, even a Rubbermaid that keeps all their things in one area. They It starts creating a habit in them to know this is mine. This is what I'm going to pull out. This is what I have to work on. I take pride in my section or my area. And then if you can slowly evolve into making a space, a desk, a room, if you will, I think I would just more or less focus on making it prideful for the child. Like, this is exciting for them. This is their desk, their work. You know what I mean? Their little job. That's what my kids always love, no matter what, what space it was in. But now I have found that having a space is nice for me because it's cleaner and organized, but it also, you know, they know where to go, where to sit, how to keep it clean. And I think that creates discipline as well for future. I agree. Yeah. I think it just gives them a sense of belonging to yes, know. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. No, but discipline is also the right word. Yeah. And just a sense of identity almost too, to be like, okay, this is it. And a calmness and a stillness because they know what to expect. Yeah. That's was really important too. Like a routine, not yeah. necessarily, you know, so many homeschool moms want to get away from routine and that I'm that way too. I don't want to give someone else, my kids eight hours a day for them to be taught what the government wants them to know. That's another podcast, but you know, I, I still see them thrive on a routine. And like you said, Oh, this is, we know what we're going to do now because mom does this every day and it just creates a more stable environment. And I think it helps create the time boundaries of this is, you know, I know like we're learning all the time. It's not that school only takes place from eight to noon, Monday through Friday. I had to learn that too. (laughs) Yeah. We're learning all the time, but I think that those time boundaries do help because then you don't feel as guilty going, okay, this is my work time. And the kids know, okay, mom works from one to four every day or whatever. And you can schedule client stuff around that. And it helps your brain shift a little bit going, this Mm -hmm. is work time. This is homeschool time. And especially when we're not leaving our properties, you know, if we're working from home, homeschooling from home, it's really important to have those different shifts in our thinking of, okay, we're we're now going into that CEO realm, you know, like we are managing our business or we're really, because I think that helps with being present too. Right. Totally. The time blocking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is like a really practical, great tip. All right. Now, last question. If you had an entrepreneur that you were sitting down with and they have a thriving business and they're considering homeschooling. You know, a lot of, I even have now as we're recording this because they're looking at like the different regulations in the school system. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs are 
more likely to say, you know what, I control my own schedule. I can maybe do this homeschooling gig. What advice would you give them? I actually have many friends that did this this year. I would say, of course, get out of the idea that homeschoolers are weird because, you know, there are so many options for homeschooling, you know, and I didn't even know what they were until I started looking. So my first thing would say, be to say, you're not going to do this alone at all. You don't even have to do it and still do it from home. You know, I know Abeka has their whole online virtual school and my friend's son logs in. He does the Pledge of Allegiance. He goes through math, science, you know, he does the whole thing right there. And a teacher does it for him. And, you know, the mom checks the work, but she's not responsible for planning the curriculum and day to day. And I would just say there are ways to homeschool if it's more important for your child to stay home. There are ways to do it that you don't have to hold all the responsibility. For example, my son goes on Mondays, he gets art and history and science and English and all the things. And then he brings home the work for the week. And I, that took a lot of pressure off me, myself and I, because they're giving me the work to do. And then there's also co-ops. There's just so many different options. I have a friend that does hybrid school two day a week, and then they come home for three. I just think the world's opening up to a whole different realm. And, and you have to know, like, first find your why, why do you want your child to be home. Hopefully it's not out of fear for 2020. You know, you don't want to just change your mind because you're fearful. You want to change your mind because this is a new lifestyle you're taking on and you want to be with your children and you find that intention and then realize there are so many options once you start digging. You know, even small towns I know have homeschool moms that need and will sh- swap curriculums and there's just totally different ways. And if you have the internet, thankfully you can... <laughs> You can access full-time school. I was shocked at the Abeka thing because I'd been wanting to try it. But the whole fact that the pressure of planning curriculum is off of you. And that's what I would tell people. You can still do this. It's going to take a little adjusting and, you know, figuring out your schedule. But there are options and you don't have to do it alone. Oh, such good advice. All right, Rachel, tell our audience where they can find you online. So mostly I am at Creighton Cottage on Instagram. I show up there on my stories daily. And then my website is creightoncottage.com. So I am there as well. Perfect. And everybody, make sure you check out her book as well. We will link everything up in the show notes. And thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, girl. You encourage me. What a great episode. Between learning how to make your house a home and how to be present, whether you're working on your business or working with your kids, we covered so much ground today. So I want to know what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? Take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and let me know. And also be sure to reach out to Rachel and connect with her. Again, she's at Crate and Cottage on Instagram. I'm sure she would love to hear from you. I'll talk to you soon. See you next week. Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week.